Daniel Levain, and until I started this podcast, I had never seen any Doctor Who, and I now want to grab myself by the shoulders and shake myself for having missed this amazing experience that I could have been having and sharing with my friends, but now it's better late than never. I get to just dive in every week. I bring somebody on with me to explain to me the ins and outs of this amazing story as it unfolds. And this week, I'm going to be covering The Impossible Planet. And to help me, to guide me through this impossible story, I needed, well, an impossible guest. And I was lucky that I was able to get John Sobel instead. Well, then I'm having six impossible things before breakfast. <laughs> uh, nice to see you. Nice to talk pyramid. to you. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> nice to talk to you again. I love this episode. The, um, this is this is a fun one. This is such classic Doctor Who. You know, closed in. You know, you know, running away from something. Right. This this was like classic sci-fi. Period. I mean, oh, yes. it, like it. It hits like all of the classic things about sci-fi from the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. I mean, it had a little bit of the uh, alien, uh, you know, running through this kind of dirty ship. Uh, a little bit of uh, the thing uh, with those, you know, weird squid people. Like it just everything. It had everything. This episode had everything my little nerd heart desired and then some oh yes it's a fun this is such a fun episode and it brings yeah, down yeah. The, the very first occasion of david Tennant in the orange uh, spacesuit oh you'll see, uh, you see this again well I, I can't wait for it but uh starting uh starting from the very beginning the doctor steps out of the tardis oh uh we should say dear listener if uh if you have not seen the episode the impossible planet now would be a great time to pause the podcast and watch it because we will talk about it we are going to spoil the plot of the episode so please make sure that if you have not seen it you don't deprive yourself of the joy of finding out what this episode is all about. Or if you so haven't seen with, it in a long time. time. Exactly. Yeah. Re, re, revisit it. And let's jump right in. Doctor steps out of the TARDIS and he's like, yeah, like she's having indigestion. Like uh, this is the first time I've heard the doctor sort of give an excuse as to why the TARDIS seemed to take him to a specific location. It was actually more of the didn't want to land than being taken to a specific location. Like he wanted to go here and she was really uncomfortable with it. She was really fighting it, um, which uh, later in the episode we find out or we know, uh, you know, TARDIS was fighting it because TARDIS drops out. Yes. The the whole planet is uh, having issues, so. Yeah, that, that well, you know that was a when surprise. You're, when, you're orbiting a, when you're orbiting a black hole, it's uh, pretty much going to have some issues in the planet. That right. So the, you know, we'll we'll get to the back to that in a in a minute. But uh, so immediately after the doctor says that, Rose kind of cracks a joke 
Uh, and I, I didn't like I felt like I didn't get it. Like, what 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 is that joke about? I think Other it's than just, just like the, hinting at the fact that the TARDIS sometimes has a mind of, of its own. The mind of its own and the fact that the doctor and the TARDIS have their experience together, which goes all the way back to uh, class reunion. Uh, where that where mm-hmm. uh, Mary, where Mary Jane and uh, and Rose were talking about how the doctor, uh, you know, fondles you know holds on to the TARDIS, like that's the only true love that he has. Well, I, and as he expresses in later in the episode, uh, when when he realizes the TARDIS fell through, that you know that's the only thing he has, literally the only thing he has. Now, granted, you know, inside of it, there's all sorts of chambers that we just don't know anything about. Um, but, you know, he, he does incite that that is the last real possession he has that he seems to care about. Oh, yes, absolutely. Because it's, you know, it's not just a ship. Uh, as, as it becomes apparent, uh, you know, they're, they're always... Uh, I forget who mentioned it in the podcast earlier, but... Um, Somebody said the, the the TARDIS seems to take them where the Doctor is most needed. Uh, it sure feels this, that way, yes. <laughs> and this this place certainly seems like it needed the visit from the Doctor because uh, they they wander into a chamber and written on the wall there, "Welcome to Hell." Yeah, that's not uh, too ominous. Right, right. You know, something you normally see written inside of some... Uh, I, at this point, I, I wasn't sure if it was another ship that they had landed uh, inside of or uh, if it was some sort of installation. Uh, clearly, we then see that it's this base installed in the impossible planet. And yes, it's it's the the weirdest. I, I love the way that it looks because it looks like uh, you know you look back any of the plan any you know it could be uh, you know he talks about it. It could be a space station. It could be an underwater station. It could be uh, uh, you know anywhere you know that needs to be underground. It's these kind. They're all you know fit exactly the same way you know for what for what you need. Right and. The as they're investigating that uh, uh, welcome to hell sign, there's all sorts of symbols below it. Hold on, what does that say? It's weird, it won't translate. But I thought the TARDIS translated everything, writing as well. That's just saying that you like me. But if that's not working, then it means. This writing is old. Very old. Impossibly old. So have we seen this writing before? Has, doc, has the doctor encountered uh, Absolutely a problem not, like no. this in the past? Not, not of this nature. There's you know always similar problems, but uh, every, everyone has its own unique uh, things with it. Uh, but this is uh, obviously, as we, as we learn as we move forward, uh, extremely old writing, uh, but I, I like I like uh, he has a moment uh, where you know Rose asks him what's going on, and he says, "No idea, more fun that way." Well, exactly. 
<laughs> you know, uh, so living right up to the, that expectation of, you know, here's a guy that sort of uh, laughs in the face of danger, uh, quite literally sometimes. Well, it's the only way to truly make sure that you don't lose your mind. So they encounter the Ood, which, of course, immediately seemed like a menace or a threat with their little glowing little, you know, ball thing. And they, you know, we later find out that they're like the slave people. Is is this the first time the Doctor has come face to face with this race? Is this a it's new a, race? Yes, this or? is a new new race for the, for the new uh, restart of... Uh, Episodes. For the new Doctor Who, so again, yes. no connection to anything no. past Doctor Who. Uh, so this is it, really his first encounter uh, as our first encounter with the Ood. Yes, the Ood is a, the Ood is a fun uh, uh, race to to uh, talk with. If you, you know, we do it, we do it several times. It, it it's it, it was quite interesting because as soon as they came on. I, uh, like Rose, sort of thought they were a threat uh, because they looked like mind, uh, mind slayers in, uh, or at least the dis- uh, certain descriptions of mind slayers in uh, D&D. Oh, yes. Uh, which are a very dangerous uh, creature in D&D. So uh, I, I was immediately a little apprehensive. Well, and then they're, and they're saying we need to feed it. Right, and they're all walking then, into the like, same, you know, from multiple doors. They're all coming into one room where where Rose and the Doctor are, and so we need yeah, to we feed. need to feed. We need to feed, and then the glitch stops, and it's like you. We need to feed you. <laughs> Would you like a refreshment? <laughs> right, not we need to feed on you. We need to feed you. We need to take care of you. We are the butlers here. Yes. Um. So that once again, Doctor Who sets me up down the path of I expect something and then it turns it on its head and the, the this incredibly menacing looking threat uh, threat turns out to be nothing more than a house of domesticated uh, slaves seems like a hard thing because they're not like rude or mean to them uh, which I immediately equate with the word slave um, you know, they just basically they're they're uh, they're house labor, for lack of yeah. a better word. I mean, clearly, they take worker. care of it. Yeah, they're a worker race. They they live to work. Yeah. They don't live to have you know their own adventures and everything. They're here to work for whichever job you have. Yeah, they're they're a very docile. Uh, race so it i i hate when people use words that have this very negative or harsh connotation because the moment they said slave i was like oh that sounds and and you can even see it rose kind of gets a little uncomfortable uh but then when you see them walking around you're like oh they're they're just kind of there they're you know the just by nature by their own nature since they're fairly docile they don't necessarily treat them as equals but that's because they themselves don't exhibit uh, that that drive to be equals. So, you know, it. I, I was just a little put off by the word, but, you know, almost immediately you're like, oh, it, it's more like they're just sort of using each other in a symbiotic kind of way. Yes, absolutely. Um, but it is after this that uh, uh, the captain or the acting captain 
uh, tells us, okay, we're going to show you this, but uh, be ready because some people have their mind blown. Uh, and they open this awesome skylight, and we, we get to see that they are literally hanging underneath a black hole. And again, the, the pop culture, you know, sci-fi uh, pings go off in my head because now it's not just, uh, you know, uh, an alien take, but, you know, now it harkens back where it took me back to that Disney movie, The Black Hole. You know, because that's mm-hmm. oh, the, yeah. the whole point of the, that movie is they're in a space station, you know, monitoring and studying this black hole. And here they are in a planet monitoring this black hole. Yes, it's, uh, you know, definitely the, the, the visuals were, were really cool in this in that, uh, with, the, with the black hole. And then they, you know, keep coming back to it and saying, oh, look at this that's going on. And look at this. It's. Uh, but yet they're able to stay in orbit around the black hole, uh, which is, uh, again, impossible. Well, and I, I like the sort of uh, weird historic explanation of how this uh, the, the planet sort of doesn't have a name, but it's kind of known as the bitter pill. Right. Uh, but then they, the made, but then they tried to swallow it uh, and spat it back out. Right. They then say that it actually does have a name of Croptor. Oh, I missed that. Yes. Croptor. It's, you know, Croptor, which I don't have no idea if it means anything or not. I've never found that in any of my notes. I mean, it sounds like a crap door. Yeah. Very possible. <laughs> <laughs> Croptor. You know, what is it? It's a crap door. Don't open yeah. the door. Don't open the door. You don't know what's in. You don't want to see what's outside. Right. It, 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 and in that, we do get a little bit of that sort of Pandora's box feel to this episode as well. Uh, because as as we get deeper and deeper, uh, and I found it very uh, both humorous and very much arcing again back to a lot of the sci-fi of the, of the 70s that... In in the attempt at sort of giving us the exposition, which in a lot of movies can be deadly because it's a lot of explaining as opposed to giving us action. Um, here, they just kept saying, oh, you really don't know. <laughs> you know, the, yeah. the, the, Rose and the doctor were genuinely in the dark. So it was like, oh, you really don't know. OK, well, let me let me take this moment to explain to you. Uh, so it was, it was a clever ploy to get a lot of exposition out, uh, which is necessary if you're going to establish the, the the type of adventure that they're going to have. Uh, and, you know, every, every time uh, they encounter something new, you know, it's like, oh, well, let me explain to you because you really don't know. You really don't know what's going on. You really don't know about the Ood. You really don't know about this mysterious planet. Uh, and I, again, arcing to other sci-fi um you know one of the the more, more recent movies that really touched and dealt with uh black holes was interstellar uh so oh, yes. the, the whole explanation of this planet that somehow maintains uh orbit around a black hole and that there's this cone of uh you know, gravity cone that allows them to land on the planet and leave the planet safely without being affected by the the pull of the black hole. Again, 
felt very sort of interstellar in that moment. You're like, oh, okay, that's cool. You know, we have a problem. We have a black hole. We want to put it, we want to have people be able to come here. So how do we do that? Right, right. It, it, it creates an explanation. <laughs> right. And I, once again, I love how the doctor just jumps right in. Uh, and he's like so thrilled. He's like, and you came. Well, how could we not? So when it comes right down to it, why did you come here? Why did you do that? Why? I'll tell you why. Because it was there. Brilliant. He even takes a moment. He's like, don't take it the wrong way, but I'm going to hug you. <laughs> like he is so genuinely excited by the idea that human beings would be so bold and daring and inquisitive and, in, you know, investigate something uh, as interesting as this planet. Right. And so, yeah, that was, well, but it's, you know, because, you know, the doctor keeps on saying it all throughout uh, this episode and it's, uh, you know, to, that it's, you know, this is what, you know, why the humans do it. It's, you know, because it's there. It's just so much, he has so much fun, which, which is why he spends most of his time with humans, even though he travels mm -hmm. to, to other places, because the humans just want to learn. They just want to be, they just want to do yeah, the, the, so I, much fun. he seems to revel on the inquisitiveness, uh, the inquisitive nature of human beings. You know, we, we want to ask questions and then we want to have answers, uh, which is a lot of what this episode is all about is, you know, creating questions and setting up questions. Uh, and this group of people trying to answer what is this power source? What is the reason for this planet not being sucked into this destructive entity uh at one point we even get to see an entire galaxy get sucked in yes uh, as, which is a great know, little visual effect yeah you know it, it's just a simple little moment but you know when you think about you know that's an entire galaxy's worth of planets that is just being snuffed out into this black hole and by virtue of getting to be stationed in this planet you basically have a front row seat to this you know awesome power of destruction or you know just very a very interesting position to be in uh and one that none of the the crew that was there the doctor and rose notwithstanding really seemed to take very serious and they're very sort of um they're driven to find the answer to finish drilling to the source of this power so they can have an answer as to why this is happening. Right. That, that, and of course, you know, is typical human ingenuity. They're looking to try to find a way to harness that power. Oh, of course. As the doctor says, you know, oh, you can, you know, harness it and, and conquer conquer the world or something you know he says something along those lines of right just the menace that could possibly be human race with this kind of power um but as so as as this story continues to unfold in front of us uh what better way to create uh urgency and to really for the first time i felt like 
the doctor and Rose were genuinely in danger uh, when, you know, when that earthquake happens and the TARDIS falls out, they, they, they don't have access to this amazing tool that has allowed them to escape so many other, you know, serious situations. Uh, and here, the, you know, their, their escape plan is gone. They don't yes. have access to it. And I genuinely felt that, that threat. You know, I, I, I was very uh, concerned uh, with what was going to happen to them. And, you know, I, I'm going to assume that everything's going to turn out fine. But, of course, this episode is a cliffhanger. So uh, we're not going to find out this week. <laughs> uh, no. I'm going to have to watch the next episode to find out. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm aghast. Because again, this is the first time, uh, at least to me. Oh yes, uh, is this the first time that the Doctor has sort of been separated from the TARDIS? No, it's happened many times. Um, there's a there's uh, an episode uh, that I talked about one of the other times I was on where I was watching uh, where my DVR just happened to record it because it said Doctor Who knew, uh, mm. which was an animated uh, retelling of an of a episode from the second Doctor. Uh, and he, mm. they land on Earth, and all these weird things are happening. And but he land, they land in a uh, near an airport, or actually land on an airport. And so the airport uh, police pick up the TARDIS and take it away. And at the very end of the episode, they're like, "Well, we don't know." Then you see them walking away because they have no idea where the TARDIS is. Hmm. So this has happened before, and, and I'm sure you know beyond that. I know it's happened several other times. And, and it will continue to happen. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. It just, it, it, because it put me in that sort of, uh, you know, uh, by by the time we really settle into the story being told and the and the earthquake happening and taking a section of the station, uh, I really was connected to yet another pop culture uh, sci-fi reference, which was the the movie The Abyss. Oh yes. Right. Because they're, you know, they're in a base, but there's no, you know, air outside. The outside environment is very inhospitable. Uh, And the idea that the TARDIS falls down and away from this environment, uh, basically rendering it uh, inaccessible uh, is what really like it drove. I, I, I was legitimately driven to anxiety watching this episode uh, because of the idea that, again, they they can't access it. There's no oxygen outside, and the only way to get down to where the TARDIS would be uh, is by diverting this drill that they've got using, that that they're using, and they said, we we cannot do it. We're not going to do it. So you, you are pretty much separated from the TARDIS, uh, and it really just, it freaked me out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was, uh, but, you know, that makes it interesting when you, when you truly don't know. We all know, especially, you know, when you hear, you know, the people who've watched it, you know, live versus obviously watching it now, you know that, yeah. you know, everything, at least this time, you know everything's going to be okay. Uh, but that still doesn't, keep that, you know, little pit in your stomach churning going, 
but they have no way out. They have no way out. Yeah. We, we thought about that a little bit during um, um, the last episode I was on, my brain just went away. We're uh, oh, girl in the fireplace where the TARDIS was there, but, but the doctor was separated from Rose and Mickey and they don't know how to fly it. So what do they do? Mm-hmm. They're just kind of stuck on the spaceship. So they thought, you know, type of thing. We have that little pit in your stomach when you just don't know how they're going to get out of it. And, and I, I mentioned it in that episode. Like I, I didn't feel like that was going to be a detrimental situation because the doctor and his way of being able to sort of cheat death and, and basically be immortal, you know, okay. So he ends up in that century uh, and eventually he would figure out a, a time and place that he visited with the TARDIS and basically go intersect that and find his way back to uh, to Rose and, and Mickey. Uh, and, and, and in a way, Rose and Mickey would probably never even know that that had happened because that's the beauty of time travel. And for the doctor, you know, what what is time? So it didn't feel as present, as present and as dangerous as this situation feels where they're stuck in this place. Outside is in inhospitable environment for the doctor and Rose. And they, you know, there's nothing that that sonic screwdriver can do. It can't generate oxygen. Right. So they're, they're separated, you know. And I, I, I love the fact that they had Rose kind of talk a little bit about yeah. that. And, you know, uh, she, she picks up her phone and she, you know, she's like, oh, this is, you know, we're pretty far out there. This is the first time I've been out of range, uh, you know, because this anytime she's had that sort of anxiety of time travel and being too far from home or being in a, in a foreign environment, she's been able to, you know, we saw it in the very first episode, uh, end of the, or the second episode of series one end of the world where, you know, the doctor fixes her phone to be able to call back to her mom and she can't, she's cut off from even that, which made me feel even more claustrophobic and even more, you know, anxious for them uh because you know now what and then this call comes in and then the phone rings yes right and she hears a message we just said the phone can't (laughs) ring and then bam it rings right and she hears this message which immediately makes her throw the phone out and the message says he's awake and pretty standard for uh a phone call. It's, sure, I mean I, you know, you the know. next the next thing you're going to do is ask is if your uh, car uh, warranty is is up. Uh, do you need, do you need I, to exactly? You're like okay, and now we're going to transfer you to the warranty department so that right. Cynthia can help you. Exactly. <laughs> um, God, can you imagine being stuck in time and space, and you get one of those calls, and you answer, oh, yeah. and it's like, "Hi, this is Cynthia from the warranty department." that um talk about you know i've 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 been sort of somewhat fascinated by the idea uh late in series one uh that they dropped in there because they kept talking about uh the doctor being a god or the tardis being a godly device uh, i believe and and, yeah that's what more uh, than once has been referenced in these sort of 
godly overtones. In in series two, you know, uh, he he mentions, uh, I think it was in school reunion, uh, where he says, "There is no higher power. I am, you know, yes, all but saying that the, the box the the buck stops with me." Like the doctor, literally, you know, taking on all the wrongs of the world, kind of thing. Yeah, he, he likes to do that. He, um, I, I think the writers love to you know, put the doctor into God mode uh, whenever it suits them. Uh, but at the same time, they're ready to easily say, oh, but he's not a God. Uh, it makes it very, uh, not confusing, but it, it does definitely uh, make it uh, which way do we want to go. Uh, he definitely wants to be able to save the world and take care of that. So then we have all these uh, God references, and then at the same time, he says, you don't want me as a God, I would make a terrible ruler. Right, I would make a terrible God. Uh, for starters, I wouldn't give you a day off. Um, so, you know, it, I had mentioned and I had asked, uh, I believe, Jenny and Ashley, uh, you know, because he's used the word God in some of those episodes, uh, you know, <laughs> what is the what is the status in the doctor who universe as it pertains to gods and in this case clearly what seems to be the the you know polar opposite of god uh, i.e. the devil uh, and jenny sort of gave a cryptic answer uh trying to spare me from uh, being spoiled it feels like we're heading right into a situation here where we're going to we're going to see possible, you know, god or the opposite of in the in in the storyline. Yeah, it does feel that way, doesn't it? <laughs> and yet another cryptic answer. <laughs> I love doing that to you. Uh, well, it, I walk right into those things because uh, it's just, uh, you know, I'm an inquisitive uh, human being, as the doctor would uh, imply. Oh, yes, you uh, are. And so, you know, <laughs> uh, I'm there. Um, so we see another moment that uh, immediately evoked uh, memories of yet another sci-fi uh reference for me which was the you know the archaeologist uh member of the crew has been trying to study the symbols and all of a sudden toby and he starts to hear voices and then he sees all these symbols written all over his hand and ultimately all over his face uh and he changes and uh it immediately arcing me back to uh uh, sorry, it, all of a sudden two thoughts competed in my head uh, because it did create, you know, there were two distinct images uh, that it brought to my head. One uh, being the oldest uh, from the 80s, it evoked a little bit of the Hellraiser uh, imagery, pinhead, okay. you know, with all of the, the writing in the face. Um, yes. But then the more more recent uh it it evoked uh a little bit uh of undertones from the movie event horizon okay <laughs> see, you know, a, movie in which a spaceship is uh you know 
in theory used a wormhole to travel across space uh, and time and, you know, taking the shortcut. Uh, but ultimately we find that, you know, it, it crossed into, uh, and sorry, spoiler alerts for a horror film from the 90s, but it crossed <laughs> into an alternate dimension that had these, you know, evil beings uh, coming back to, you know, to destroy this other dimension. Uh, but it was also oh, that, very very we didn't. We didn't just uh, deal with that in uh, a couple episodes ago, didn't we? Uh, different dimension. I mean, we we've crossed over into other dimensions already in Doctor yeah. Who. Uh, it just it wasn't in a spacecraft, uh, right. so exactly. it didn't immediately remind me of uh, Lawrence Fishburne and uh, uh, Sam Neill uh, as as the as this, as this one did, yeah. This particular and that moment where all of a sudden his eyes go red, you know, I was like, wow, this is this is like hitting so many sci-fi tropes that, again, it it was like nerd Vana for me watching this episode. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, the the one thing I always, you know, I, I know they have to do it because there's no other way to show the turning of a of a mask. Uh, you can't show, you know, clearly, clearly the Ood are big rubber masks over people. Um, mm-hmm. But you really can't show a lot of emotion on, on that mask. Uh, so that's the easiest way to show the, the change uh, where, you know, you, you get that, uh, you can get that so much easier with just a little bit of a facial expression. Uh, sure. When you don't have the mask. So I understand the trope of needing the red eyes. It's just... Yeah, I'm I'm over it. I mean, sometimes they can get overused. Uh, You know, not everybody needs to look like uh, Darth Maul. But (laughs) again, you know, it it was a very effective way of showing menace and uh, of creating even more danger. uh, Of which, of course, the Doctor uh, jumps. You know, both feet in. Uh, when he declares that you know he, he's got to go down, that one of the crew can go down, but he's got to go down with them. Uh, and right, and I love I, I love right there where uh, Zach, who's the acting captain, you know, says, "We don't even know who you are." Yeah, but you trust me, don't you? And you can't let Ida get down there on her own. Go on, look me in the eye. Yes, you do. I can see it trust it's a great sort of uh example of how the doctor is just clearly not going to take no for an answer he genuinely doesn't know he has no idea what he is heading down into it is the literal version of heading into the unknown yes without the idina menzel song right it is (laughs) it's heading you know it's it's dropping down and going what they said it was 10 miles down to reach the bottom. Right. Um, and that's definitely a, uh, uh, you know, it's a long way. Yeah. So it, it, uh, it feels very prescient, very, again, very immediate. And as he uh, heads down, he's looking at the seal uh, and uh, we hear the ood, uh, all of a sudden, not responding to their mind control uh, or their mind telepathy, uh, but basically stating, I am free. 
Yes. And but we have even that beforehand. A lot of a lot of times, there's always been these um, uh, comments from the Ood picking up the uh, the uh, I guess what we call it right now. The beast. Yes, the the, the transmissions the, the beast. Yes. Yes, uh, and then you know they say at one point it's you know the the, you know, the Ood states. Some may call him a bad. Some may call him Hathor. Some may call him Satan. You know, so there's definitely, you know, interest in uh, what this is, but the Ood tend to be or picking it up because they are a uh, empathic uh, race. Yeah, they're like an antenna, basically. Uh, so they're picking, right, they're picking it up quite a bit. So you hear a lot from it, even when. So uh, it, you know, we're 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 being faced with staring right into that abyss. And something seems to be coming out when the dreaded words to be continued flash across the screen. And once again, the doctor is in peril and I don't get to find out what's happening. So that that's the end of the episode. Did, did I miss anything that I didn't talk about? Were there any other signs that I, that I should have uh, picked up on? Not necessarily. There's there, there is a couple of things. Um, one that obviously you wouldn't know because you don't research this. Um, this this brought, this show was broadcast on the sixth of June two thousand and six, mm-hmm. uh, which is six six six. Oh, that's funny. I didn't know that. And then <laughs> and then uh, when they're talking about the gravity funnel. Um, the doctor pulls, you know, asks for the calculator and pulls it out and makes the comments. There we go. Do you see? To generate that gravity field and the funnel, you need a power source with an inverted self-extrapolating reflex of six to the power of six every six seconds. That's as a six is. That is impossible. Again, with all the sixes coming into play there, mm-hmm. they are pushing the fact that this truly is uh, the devil, at least as as uh, we know. Right, the... the... The incarnation that we are familiar with of the the Satan myth. Yes. Uh, so that's uh, so that's definitely there pushing that pushing that uh, part part of the storyline. Other things that come up that uh, uh, that I enjoyed when the the, the doctor uh, and I are walking um, walking from the drop site towards the uh, where the pit is. And Ida says, well, there's no turning back. And the doctor... Oh, did you have to? No turning back? That's almost as bad as nothing can possibly go wrong. Or this is going to be the best Christmas Walford's ever had. And, of course, Walford is a uh, EastEnders, uh, the EastEnders uh, uh, soap shop. They always say Christmas specials. Mm. Uh, that they always had, you know, problems with it. So there's always a, an, an issue, you know. So, the again, that's a very British... Uh, idiom that they that's, would know. Oh, that's cute. Uh, I, I mean, I recognized the other bits, uh, and it was funny because her immediate response is, "Are, are you done?" Right. <laughs> and he's like, uh, "Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I guess." <laughs> okay. Yeah. I guess we're, you know, we're done now. Uh, and then the voice um, of the beast. Hang on. Where is that? At? Um. Of course, no. I can't find it. Um, was was done by a gentleman who also did voices for a fourth Doctor episode. And of course, I'm never. Gonna I was going to say the the voice of the Beast was not Robbie Benson. No, it's not Robbie Benson. 
Um, but it was funny because in, in reading this up, they said at one point they were trying to get uh, a, a gentleman who was married to Billy Piper at the time, whose name is Chris Evans. And it's like, no, it's not that Chris Evans. It's the other Chris oh, Evans. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to be like, what? Captain America was married to yeah. uh, Billy Piper? No, he's, he was, he's a British uh, gentleman. He, you know, he was doing Top Gear, uh, the, the car TV show. Oh, okay. As you, uh, so you can see, uh, you can see replays of that. And of course, I'm never going to find this. Uh, I'm never finding it. Oh, yeah. Well, one more thing. I'm not finding that. But uh, there was also an early idea that the slave race was not going to be uh, the Ooh didn't create a new one, but they were going to use in a, a race that we've seen before, the Rexacor Falcatorians. Oh, really? Yes, and they were going to pray to the beast as a god to rescue them from captivity. Oh, wow. So they had planned when they first wrote this to use them, uh, but I think I think they it was better to change it uh, as you're going, as you see that uh, uh, you almost feel that they're more of a, uh, a joke um, at this point, and to put them, bring them in again, I think that would have it would have it would have required a lot more explanation because at least this way it's a blank slate, so it's a race right. that you don't know. You can imbue them with whatever. Uh, whereas you know, if we see the 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 Slovene looking people, all of a sudden it's going to evoke that memory and those memories, and you'll have to go through a long explanation as to how or why. They ended up there. Yeah, I, I can see right. it's yeah. easier to do what they did with the oud. Oh, absolutely! But you know, you think about it, when you know that now. You think about it. You think about the episodes with them. And it's like, well, yeah, but then you don't have that whole idea of them being empathic. So it's definitely works mm-hmm. better uh, that way. I still can't find this, the gentleman's name. It's you know, I'll find it. The next time we talk, no worries. This will be our own cliffhanger within the cliffhanger episode. (laughs) So uh, at this point, thank you very much, John, for joining me. And uh, let's let's stick around and do this again next week so that we can conclude this uh, storyline together, shall we? Sounds good. I have nothing else to do. Excellent. And thank you, dear listener, for making it to the end of yet another podcast. I appreciate you immensely. Uh, If you want to support the podcast, head on over to firsttimelord.com. You can go to the merch store from that link. You can also follow the link to my Patreon site. I can be found in Patreon under Daniel Levane. uh, And you can subscribe. Uh, There are various tiers there but uh, any support is always greatly appreciated so uh, not much else to do but uh, wrap this thing up so that we can get on to next week so that i can conclude this episode of the doctor who so catch you on the uh, flip side the pit is over and i am free Ha, 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 ha.